Hey everyone, what's up? Trey back here at Trail Wolf, and welcome back to another episode of the True Blue Show. So, I am back here with y'all tonight, and by tonight, I mean it's about 10.26 my time. It is about 11.26 in New York. Why am I telling you about New York's time zone? Well, that's because our new co-host, Matt Carter, is from New York. And yeah, well, so, Matt... Thank you for doing this with me because, you know, we just finished watching the game and it's late for you. So I don't want to drag this on too long. We'll probably see if we can go 30, 40 minutes max, probably as long as Zoom will give us in one showing. But uh, yeah, how are you feeling? Welcome to the show permanently. You've been a great guest for us. And you know what? I was like, you know what? This guy's been great. I, I just need him on regularly. So very happy to have you as a new co-host. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to, you know, be a bigger part of the show. I mean, I love what you're doing. So, um, but what I can say is that uh, I'm glad that I work from home tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I am I'm happy to, you know, kind of get my thoughts out on tonight's game uh, and the rest of preseason and sort of chat with you on sort of what's next and just getting ready for Liverpool. All right, well, let's get straight into it and waste no time. Uh, I got some questions, just some things I've wrote down from the Dortmund match. This is a Dortmund post pod. Um, it's going to be a little all over the place, but the first thing I have to ask you, Matt, is if Messi was going to play in your hometown against your local team, would you pay for a ticket if it was two hundred dollars? I, th- I feel he, like if you could watch it on cheap. TV, if you could watch it on TV, or go in the match. Uh, so I've seen, I've, yeah, I would do it. Absolutely. I did see him play in a Copa America tournament when he was in Foxborough, I believe, in Massachusetts. Um, so I saw him play for Argentina, but, you know, to get a chance to see him in MLS, yeah, of course I'd do that. God damn it. That's not what I want you it. to say. <laughs> they're, they're, my, my local club, MC Dallas, just advanced, and so did Miami after Messi scored a brace, I'm pretty sure. And we're hosting them on Sunday. And I think they're selling tickets for like two hundred dollars a pop, and I, I, I'm I'm strapped for cash, man. I don't know if I want to. It's messy though. It's just like it is, and he's and he's absolutely on fire. What is it like three, five goals in three games? I think he's absurd what he's doing. I think he's got three or four goals in like two assists, or I don't. I don't know the it's, tally. He's killing it though. He's he's doing ridiculous. exactly what everyone's thought. So yeah, I'm just gonna be refreshing my email this whole episode. Just yeah, seriously. If I get the ticket link and just debating, make a bad life choice. I mean, granted, I also feel like it, the... it, it's probably going to be middle of the day here in Texas, and it's like 106 degrees peak in middle of the day. So it's like, do I want to torture myself just to see my team get shafted by Messi? But hey, it's a one-time thing that I think you could just, you know, I think you could suck it up for about two hours. I think you could do it. Even if I don't get heat stroke first. Well, I hope not. Stay hydrated. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, enough about the messy uh, podcast. Let's get into the Chelsea podcast. So first thing we got to talk about, what the hell was Soldier Field tonight? Oh, my God. I had flashbacks of the Revs friendly game. And anybody who's following me on Twitter probably saw it. I was flipping out, dude, as soon as... As I saw that pitch, I saw a tweet about Ed Sheeran having a concert the night before where fans were allowed on the pitch. What were they thinking? I don't know who I'm more mad at. If I'm more mad at the people running events at Soldier Field, if I'm mad at Chelsea for having it at Soldier Field, because a concert like Ed Sheeran is planned months in advance. 
So they must have known he would have been there the night before. And oh my God, that pitch was horrendous. And Ninkuku had to go off. Thank God we saw him walking around at the end of the game. But oh my God. And I saw Reese go down in the, in the earliest two. And I'm just, dude, I was freaking out most of the game praying we did not get an injury. And I, I, I'm hoping Cuckoo's actually fine. We just saw him walking around. But oh my God. How bad was that pitch? Yeah, I, I was at the Revs game when Ruben blew out his Achilles. It was so yeah, the flashbacks, I completely, I completely understand that. It, you know, I tweeted out during the match, I'm like, for as good as you know, the the summer series was, the PL summer series was, it was great, really good attendance. The field like the, the fields were actually in very good shape compared to what I'm used to. Um, and then you get to you get to tonight, and it's just I would understand if Chelsea wouldn't want to come back for another preseason tour just based on tonight's pitch. It was terrible. I mean, you know, poor planning from Soldier Field, poor planning from Dortmund as well, by the way, and from Chelsea to even allow this to go on. If I had walked down to that pitch and I saw all like how that was, I mean, I've played on high school fields that are better, and like that's unacceptable. Like that is an injury risk. I when Nkuku went down and he went for his knee. My heart dropped to my stomach when Enzo, towards the end of the second half, did his, uh, took his shot and he went down, came up a little, a little limp. Um, I freaked out. I mean, this game men- means nothing. There's no point in, you know, playing it. You could really kind of tell throughout the whole match. It wasn't, you know, 100% effort from everybody anyway. Um, but holy smokes, like you, that is unacceptable and there needs to be repercussions. So if it be Soldier Field doesn't host another match next time you know any team comes over next summer so be it well deserved i mean the only person you can't blame is ed sheeran because he was probably booked first but everybody else yeah that's just unacceptable in so many different ways ed sheeran's really wondering why he's got angry chelsea fans at his dms right now he just doesn't understand and he's just like yeah what the hell i'm a switch town fan I, I don't think we have a rivalry going on or anything but yeah it was very troublesome and i'm glad we're going home i know we're going to be hearing loads about uh especially if in cuckoo for some reason misses the liverpool match the people are going to be like why the hell are we going to america we just got to stop going there and you know what i thought the other fields were fine i thought i thought those pitches were okay it was just this one god this was one of the worst so enough on that um Okay, so there's a good couple of things I want to talk about the match specifically. There's a couple of players I want to talk about. Um, we're gonna just I'll give you a little chance to talk really quick. Can you think of any players that really stood out negatively to you in this match? This might be maybe one of the hottest takes you'll hear probably until the new year. Wait, can I guess? Um, can I've, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Did you think Enzo was underwhelming? I did. And to sort of piggyback off of that, I don't think he's been, he hasn't hit his full form in preseason period. Now I'm not, obviously I'm not going to be pressing the panic alarms, but today maybe it was a combination of the pitch. Maybe it's a combination of him being cautious. Uh, I just didn't think he, he looked like we know how he can do. Of course he had moments when he was fantastic. Yes, he will do that. Um, Am I mildly concerned? I, I would say maybe maybe a little bit going into the Liverpool match. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I just, Enzo this whole preseason just has not filled me with, you know, with the confidence because we know what he is and he just hasn't shown it in this preseason just yet. So I'm just hoping 
it's just an air of caution, gaining fitness, learning the system. Um, but in the back of my mind, I, I hear a little, I hear a little, you know, alarm bell way in the back in the distance. Yeah, I think maybe one thing is that he's actually trying to play a different play style than what he was doing uh, last season. Because last season, I feel like he was more of a six and he was really trying to orchestrate from the back. But now he's trying to push up forward more and get more involved in the attack. And, you know, I feel like we saw at the end of last season, um, and I say the end of last season, I mean, like when he started for us until the end of the season, he seemed like one of the most composed players we had. And you were always very confident on the ball. But this preseason, he's looked very sporadic. He looked very jittery. He kind of looks all over the place, almost like lost in the moment. And you know what? Uh, kudos on the assist. That was great assist. And also is and this is maybe most underrated ability, his aerial ability. Because for some reason, I keep seeing him win balls in the air that I really don't expect. But overall, yeah, I've, I've definitely thought that Enzo has looked very underwhelming considering what i thought he could be um i've seen more like long balls that have been dangerous and successful from tiago Silva and levi caldwell than i have from enzo um and i this is not me saying i i think enzo is not gonna be good for us i think he's just adjusting and also maybe he's in two mindsets because when you have someone like connor gallagher next to you and this i mean connor's a player everyone and myself have been on the fence about but and not to throw terrible shade at him but he's such a player who loves to push forward even more than Enzo when Enzo is probably the guy who's actually supposed to push forward that it probably just throws you in a tug of war two mindsets like okay I gotta get back I can't keep pushing up but I feel like my role right now is to be pushing up and Connor kind of alarmed me sometimes because he was really pushing up and he's a big presser so it makes sense that he's pushing up, but it felt more like he was building out of the back than Enzo w- was. So I'm was very uncertain. Uh, all I just knew is at times it felt like there was a giant gap in between both of them in between um, in front of the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with everything you've said there pretty much. I mean, yeah, I can, I can see that he would be cautious knowing that, you know, if he goes too far forward and so does Connor, there's no screen in front of that back line. So perhaps he's sort of in that mindset. Uh, I, it looks like he may have changed just the general side that he's playing on too, hasn't he? It looks like he's been more off the right, especially in the last two games, and he was more on the left, um, you know, for the last half of last season. So I'm sure that's you know a little bit different too. Um, I get, but yeah, I mean, am I really deep? Am I panicking? No. Uh, is it going to take him a little while to get used to it, especially depending on who his partner is going to be? Uh, for the first few matches until the window closes. Yeah, that's that's definitely going to be concerning. And that's probably going to be where these teams will attack us sort of until we get a clear partner. Hopefully it's Caicedo. Um, maybe it's Andre Santos. Maybe it is Connor Gallagher. But uh, that will that looks like the you know one of the bigger weak points. And I think we've known that going into preseason. Um, but, you know, comma with Enzo, he's going to be fine. I, I, th- I think that is the case. Yeah. I think I might be a little worried about Liverpool. Like I know he'll start. I might be a little worried how we do about them, but I think the stretch of games afterwards are so favorable that he will mm-hmm. probably settle in afterwards. Um, and I also think a big kind of factor is going to be who ends up being his partner because he's had a lot of different people play next to him. I'm pretty certain he's played next to Casade, Santos, Gallagher. He may have even played next to Carney at one point, but I don't remember it in the very beginning, like at Wrexham if he featured next to Carney, but he he's really just kind of been back and forth. I feel like 
a lot of other players have been very like set in terms of where they are, where they're supposed to play. Um, I wouldn't really count Matson in that because he's kind of been all around the place, but he's done really well to kind of adjust. Um, but yeah, I, I think Enzo is just, I think he's just getting used to it. also. It's a lot of new faces around him for the most part too. I think we got to remember that is like mm-hmm. the people he interacts with the most probably are not ones he used to play with a lot because I think Re- I can't remember what dates Reese was injured, but I feel like most of the time when Enzo was here, he wasn't playing with Reese, right? I don't think so. And I think ends or sorry, wasn't Silva also hurt near the end of the season? Yes, he definitely was. Okay, so and then Caldwell's new. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously Cassidy is new. Santos is new. Connor he played with some, but Connor also I feel like was back and forth being a sub off the bench. Um, and Inkunku, Jackson, all of those, even uh, Mudrick, because we because he didn't start with a for a while. So I feel like it also might just be a, a thing of building up chemistry with everyone. I think this is just a point where um, I think it's just him trying to get used to it. Anyone also, I, I don't know if this is oversimplification. I thought the team looked on par or better than Dortmund overall, but the overall, I thought this was probably the, maybe the worst match we played, but maybe it was just because they were tired. I think, I think the, the toll of the preseason and like the climb and everything, I think it finally looked like it was just taking its toll on a lot of players. Yeah, certainly could be. And, you know, I, I, I struggle. We shouldn't really take anything out of this game anyway because of the state of the pitch and everything. And it is the last game before they both head back to Europe for their for their domestic seasons. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we've heard that it's been a grueling preseason, right? I mean, Pochettino's run them into the ground. They've done, you know, while they've stayed on the same coast, they've stayed on the East Coast of the United States. Still a lot of air miles. Still in a new country. You're not really home. So, you know, I mean, we all know that you get tired, and, and especially when you're away from your own home. Like, so I get it. Yeah, they've, they're definitely tired. I'm glad that they're going back tonight. They'll get a few days off, um, and then they'll they'll be right back at it, um, getting ready for Liverpool because we're about what ten days away or so. So, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad. You know, I'm glad the preseason was over. But there really isn't too much that we can take away from this game. Um, it's sort of like to answer your pre- your actual question, who was bad tonight? I mean, I don't think we should spend too much time on it. But Raheem Sterling was the standout. Not very good. I think we all know that. We all saw it. Do we really need to talk too much about it? I'm not I'm not sure it's really worth the time, you know. Yeah. Ian, I th- I really thought Sterling would be the one you mentioned over Enzo. Um, but I was taking a shot on Enzo and you know what? I'm pretty good at guessing, so I, I got it right. But I think if there's anything to say about Sterling and um, our boy Wes Watson wasn't able to be here tonight, but he did ask us uh, a good question that uh, has Sterling done anything worth starting over Matson against Liverpool or starting at all week one. And I think the easiest answer is no. It's like, I think Poch has done a lot to impress us, but I think one of the most underrated things he can do to impress us is that when the season actually starts is how cutthroat can you be? To, to bench one of your most senior and experienced players in Raheem Sterling, who has genuinely been probably top three or top two worst performers in preseason. Yeah. I mean, I, nothing I can really disagree with there. He, for me, has been the, uh, you know, 
least impressive player that we've brought on the entire trip uh, for being the one of the more senior guys in the team. He just hasn't done it, you know. I don't know if that's, you know, something going on in his head, if he maybe just isn't adapting to the system well. Um, you know, anything else, maybe there's a transfer in the background that we don't quite know about. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's disappointing because we, there was a good amount of hype around him last season, uh, at the start of last season when he came in, and he just hasn't lived up to it. So what do we do with him? And I was really expecting the team tonight to really reflect what we're going to see against Liverpool and seeing him in the team and Mudrick on the bench makes me a little nervous. Yeah, it's uh, it, it makes me nervous. And, you know, honestly, if there's one thing that's for certain right now, Mudrick has to start against Liverpool, right? Especially when you're lined up a pl- like a play against a player like Trent and Alexander Arnold, who is notorious for sacrificing his defensive positioning. Yeah, I, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. I'm not sure why Mudrick didn't start tonight and why he didn't play at all um, the la- against Fulham. So I'm not sure. And, you know, I don't know what feed you're watching, if you're watching the ESPN feed with uh, the the super hater that is Craig Burley. Yeah, that's um, awesome. <laughs> he, um He did make a pretty good point about Mudrick outside of like his outlandish comments. And it's that, you know, for the Sterling, you know, shot that should have been, you know, probably drawn back. Mudrick was kind of hanging around in the midfield and didn't make the run until it was far too late. And I think, I think we could all agree that Mudrick's defensive awareness just is, is not there. So if we're going to be playing against Liverpool, he's going to be the main outlet for the counterattacks. And yes, I mean, he will tear up the left-hand side. And we, you know, we send our thoughts and prayers to whoever is on that side, whether it be Alexander Arnold or someone else. Um, but I mean, I still think it's a no-brainer. If we want the best chance to win, we put our best players out there. And Mudrick's high in confidence. Sterling is not. I mean, I think we have to roll with him, but I mean, time will tell. Uh, so I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see what Potch does. And you know what? I would like to feel like I know what Potch would do. But the genuine answer is I don't. I really don't. And it's because I've never seen him make a starting 11 for us that's in a true professional match. But I think he did make a comment that he said he wanted to give the most minutes tonight to the players that he might be starting with because the season starts in 10 days. So it worries me a little bit that we're seeing somebody like Sterling starting over Mudrick um, and Matson uh, and Matson as well. And you know what? It's probably because Liverpool is the toughest opponent we have for a little while. So I'm not surprised if he wants like a good balance of seniority um, with like ambition and um, young energy, but there's got to be like a line where it's just like one doesn't matter more than the other, and like experience and seniority not mattering as much. Like I, and also this is another question I had is I feel like Silva had a really good game tonight, and I feel like he's gonna have to start against Liverpool, and I didn't know if he would before, but I feel like he has to now because I don't know if Chalaba is hurt in a serious way where he can't play or if he's being protected as well for a potential loan or permanent sale move so uh, you have the seniority in Chilwell you have the seniority in Silva and Kepa even you have the seniority in you know that I have we might just draw the line there I mean Reese James is seniority in his own way too so it's just like there's enough people to lead you on the pitch if 
if Sterling's not on there, I don't think it will be a, as a detrimental as, as it would be if he actually started. Yeah, I, there's plenty of leadership in this team already. And, you know, I'm really been, you know, harping on this. Um, age doesn't mean leadership. Age doesn't mean quality, right? Um, so when we say experience, we need to be careful uh, because just because you're an older player doesn't mean that you have the quality that you did uh, or that we think you do. So I don't necessarily think leave, leaving him out of the squad is going to be a big deal. Um, especially, I don't know if you noticed this as well, but when he got the ball, it seemed to be that his his first choice seemed to go backwards. He wanted to go either backwards or sideways and take the safe option. But when you have someone like Mudrick, who is always willing to take their player on, uh, Noni's obviously shown that he's ready to take his players on Angelo too. So when you're when you're playing someone forward and he's looking to go backward, that immediately kills any momentum we may have had. And you know we're going to need all the momentum we can get against Liverpool, who's probably going to be challenging for you know definitely going to be challenging for the top four. Um, so. Yeah, I I just don't see I can't I, you can't use leadership as an excuse to start him. You can't use his preseason form on a reason to start him. So if I'm Pochettino, and I'm clearly not, uh, I just I just can't find a way to to shove him into the team. Yeah, another thing that I'm wondering too, um, though this is this comes as a question of who do we start just based on both being very impressive, um, and I feel like you know who I'm about to talk about. Um, is there much of a debate with playing Reese James versus Malagusto again for Liverpool? Because it's like Reese James is obviously your number one. And if he is fit, you obviously start him. But has Malagusto just like given us a great problem to think about to challenge Reese? But is it really not one where we have to worry about him? benching Reese enough like I don't know sorry I don't know if I phrased that in a great way but my basically saying is is there actually any real debate of who should start uh no as of right now I don't I don't think so uh and this just could be like you know just a little bit of excitement because Gusto has not put a foot wrong this entire preseason right so uh do I think he's going to uh, usurp Reese James right now no um, but is he going to push Reese James to limits that we may not have seen before? I sure think so. Uh, and will there be times where Gusto maybe gets a run of games because James either needs a rest or isn't performing to what he should be or what we expect him to perform at? I, I 100% see that happening, especially when we're only going to be hopefully playing around 40 games this year. Um, so there's there's ample opportunity for those two to duke it out. And, you know, that only makes both of them better. Yeah. So I want to throw something out there. Um, I do have doubts over the Caicedo deal right now more than I had before, but I do have part of me. I do think still that it happens. If it doesn't happen, I, I wonder if Chelsea do an instinctive buy on Romeo Lavia, but I'm not certain because we saw a thing came out today. That's uh mystery club came in with an 80 million bid for Caicedo, which totally could be horseshit because apparently Caicedo's camp said it was confidential to know who the club was. And I don't know if I've ever heard something like that before. Like you're negotiating for the player. How the hell do you not, can you not say where he might go? What kind of negotiating tactic is that? So I think it, it could be a total, just like BS kind of ploy, but also somebody said it might be Liverpool. I think Ben Jacobs debunked that. That's not Liverpool. 
and Liverpool do seem to be going all in for Romeo Lavia. So let's say they get Lavia. Let's say we don't get Caicedo and there's the window closes without uh, a true DM. I want you to just really think about this for a second. What do you think would be better starting Enzo and Santos together or starting Enzo and Reese together and Gusto becomes your new right back, right wing back? I think if that was a legitimate thought in Pochettino's head or the rest of the coaching staff's head, we would have seen James play a little bit in the midfield throughout the preseason, whether it be, you know, the, the last seven minutes before he comes off, you know, Gusto comes on, Reese James goes in while another midfielder warms up. Um, I don't think that that's sort of where we're heading yet. Uh, I, Cause I do think that Connor Gallagher is going to stay. And, and if no one comes in, I think he's going to be Enzo's main partner uh, either until we buy someone. If it's Tyler Adams. Okay. I have thoughts on that. Uh, or do we start Andre Santos as the season progresses? I don't know. Uh, but I don't think Reese will play in the midfield as things stand right now. Yeah. I, it, and like I said, it was like a real shot in the dark. And you're right. If it was even a thought, maybe Potts would have played it in preseason some. But also I feel like we had so many midfielders to get through to see who would stay and who wouldn't, that there almost was really no room for experimentation um, to an extent. But it's just a feeling because it's like Gusto really looks good. Like he looks like what Matson could be if Matson had been starting at left back like this whole time. Like like that good combination. Like if you put, if you had to put Gusto at right wing, I feel like he could do a really good job. Maybe um, it's not really something I want to think about too much because I don't want to overuse either because both have injury issues. So it's just like, you know, if you're going to get the best out of Reese, preserve Gusto because he really might be needed for a rainy day, but it's just something, you know, it's like you, you want to see somebody get chances when they're, uh, when they're really shining in preseason. And I don't want Gusto's form to go cold because I think it'd be kind of a waste. Um, but yeah, maybe, you know what? You just say, Gusto, you've done a great job. I can't guarantee you Premier League minutes, but you know what? When the cup games start up, they're yours. You're starting in and right back. I would be perfectly happy about that because I don't think, I feel like if Gusto can't handle the oppositions he would come against in Carabao and FA Cup, probably doesn't need to be starting Premier League, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think when he was offered the contract in the first place, he knew he wasn't going to be guaranteed minutes because the guy in front of him is, you know, in my opinion, top two best right backs in the world. So uh, I think he, he knows what's ahead of him. I think he's comfortable with sort of what he's been promised, both when he signed the contract and now that Pochettino's in. Um, so I, I don't think that's really going to be too big of a problem, but yeah, I think what they do with like cup keepers, I think it should be cup right backs. So Malagusto, eat your heart out in the cups, and God forbid James gets another injury, um, it'll be all yours to you know bomb up and down that right flank. Yeah. Um, so there's a comment I want to make on both of those players before we transition to something else. One, I thought Reese James was really lucky tonight not to get not to get a red card. Did you see that late tackle he had on? Uh, I don't remember what his name is properly it's like Benedettens or something he was the left back uh, for Dortmund mm -hmm. yeah you know uh, I'm I'm glad no one's hurt I'm glad nobody got hurt from that tackle I would have preferred that Reese James got a red so he was kind of forced to go off and not even risk him for that part of the second half uh, that he played in um, he did get lucky but again 
who really cares? I don't think he makes that tackle in normal times. And if he does, that's probably a VAR red card. Uh, but like we just talked about, if he does get a red, we have Malagusta over three games. So that's perfectly fine with me. Yeah. And I, I feel like if Reese probably didn't mean to make that tackle, I really don't think he meant to, but also that I, I think right now I'm just in this like mindset about tackles and challenges really wanting to be not lighter maybe safer i don't know did you see the um did you see marcelo's challenge no. challenge on i think his name is luciano or something uh, yeah in the Brazilian yeah league? oh my that's one of the worst injuries i've ever seen yeah period, in it, sport. it's it basically broke seemed like he broke his leg maybe at the knee or just like it just looks like, like yeah. up a fibula or something i'm no doctor but it was fucking broke so that was disgusting it it was bad and it's just like you know at the end of the game at the day it's a game and these Mm -hmm. are people's lives too people have to go home people have to do everything so it's just like and you know what it could easily happen to one of our guys too we've we've seen some horrible challenges on our people petter check had a life-changing injury and had to wear a helmet for years and years and we've, we've seen players like reese get hurt multiple times so it's like he can barely play and i'm sure it affects his life at home so it's like yeah i i and especially it's because it's a preseason game and the fact that uh like challenges like these can happen in preseason too when there's nothing on the line it just makes me nervous man that's just it yeah no 100 and you see guys like you know martinez at manchester united diving into jude bellingham really recklessly in a preseason match that means absolutely like yeah what are we what are we doing here fellas these are to gain fitness, to gain some match sharpness, not to ruin someone's career. So, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying with that. But these are competitors, and this is all that they've really known, right? So if they, you know, if this is also a livelihood. If they don't perform at their highest intensity in preseason, they might not have a spot, might have to move teams, might not get paid. So I get it that they want to be competitive still, but there, there are better ways to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you there. Um, But, yeah, I'm... Sure, Reese is normally careful. He normally doesn't do too many rash challenges. He's not he's not on the Connor's level for when it comes to rash challenges. Uh, but in terms of people who made a great challenge, I thought Malagusta's recovery on Brandt, who should have basically had a goal on a counter that came from a Cucurella error <laughs> again. But um, Gusto's recovery to basically shut down Brandt and make it harder for him to shoot, I thought it was brilliant. Oh, that was sweet. And then uh, was it was it uh, Torgan Hazard that he bodied like a little boy and that shoulder to shoulder? I'm not sure if it was or not, but that that was a lot of fun. He has played so well. His defensive awareness is so good and his recovery runs are so good. I mean, it's a steal. You, I mean, he's played three preseason games, four preseason games, and I think it's fair to say that he's a steal. Yeah. No, ifs, def- no ifs, ands, or buts for me. Definitely. And you know what? Uh a slightly concerning thing that's come from this preseason is that we have so many people perform who can't be starters for us regularly um, or who might not even be subs at some point that it little worries me with the the targets we're still linked to in the market and how we still keep making acquisitions, even in positions where we're slightly stacked up in. So it's just like, there's going to be players who are really good, who are like, even after one year, might want to have a move to move on because it's like imagine if Reese stayed f- fit the entire year 
and Gusto didn't play barely any. And for some reason, Reese got the cup games. Like, I feel like that would rub Gusto wrong, especially because, you know, he's in consideration for the French Euros, I'm pretty sure, like if he stays healthy. So he, he's going to be looking for minutes, I imagine. So I just hope we never get to the point just where getting all this great talent for steals and everything turns into an issue where we can't see them play for us. They just become pure profit moves because I genuinely see Gusto as somebody who is like a great buy because he has so much utility to play for us as well, especially when we get back to Europe. Yeah, this this season, you make a good point. This season is going to be tough because of no Europe. So we're automatically down, uh, what is it, at least four games, just the knockout or in three games, three, six games in the knockout stages. Six games in knockout. So that's, that's minus six games, which is minus six opportunities for people to play in. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it is going to be tough and there are going to be people that are going to be unhappy. It's just who is going to ride it out. How does Pochettino manage it? That's just sort of what, what we're going to have to pay attention to as the season goes on. So uh, that is, yeah, that's a good point to be a little concerned about. But yeah. Uh, so I want to, uh, we're getting down to the end of the episode just because Zoom's trying to kick us out. Um, I want to end the episode by um, building our starting 11 for Liverpool, probably as predicted. Um, but real quick, I just want to give shout outs to Silva, Caldwell. Caldwell, go to the fucking shooting practice, please. I love you. Appreciate you signing the contract. I never doubted you for a minute, but damn it, man, you should have had a brace tonight. <laughs> you could have made this night so great, but overall great performance. Um, I thought Mudrick did great. I thought Jackson looked really well. I thought he was just unfortunate to, and he, he as a few decision-making things that I'm not really griped about. Um, one beautiful ball from Silva just took a bad bounce when he was trying to control it. So he was, hard to round the keeper. I think the ball that he actually got from Sterling and Sterling actually managed to cross to him. I think he probably should have shifted to his right and just take a shot right away. I think he waited too long, not really worried overall. Um, so when we name our 11, he's obviously starting for us. Um, and last minute, can you say anything on Carney? Because I felt like Carney did well in sporadic moments, but it felt like I saw him disappear in a lot of others and maybe i just didn't see it right but i felt like i saw him more in defensive in like defensive game today but i feel like i just missed him in a lot of the like the attacking scenarios he, he should have scored on that chance that you know that jackson set up for him um but i i still think what my i my, i have my concerns from earlier in the preseason when the game slows down a little bit he's a lot more effective than when the game's sort of at its highest intensity now he I, overall, I think he's played fine. Uh, has he played himself into the Liverpool starting eleven? Probably not. Uh, do I think he'll get a lot of minutes? Probably. Uh, but again, I think it's just the function of being a young player and still getting used to the league, and for all intents and purposes, having a wasted season last year. So I think I think he'll improve as the season goes on, as he gets more minutes. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's he's got some work to do. Yeah. So it'll be uh, nice to see what he contributes. There is a chance he could start for Liverpool um, because, you know, I don't know what new status is. We'll have to listen to that. But let's go ahead and uh, go into our uh, starting 11 and just we'll, we'll run through this. I feel like not much of it needs to be debated. So let me just run through it and let me see what you think. Okay. So Kepa and goal. I think it's kind of a default thing. I think we decided Reese is the starter out and out. 
Silva and Caldwell in defense because I think right now we don't have any other actual fit options besides DeSassi, uh as a bench player to come in if something needed. Uh, Chilla, left back. Uh, the pivot, this is definitely a, uh, one to think about. I'm a little, I'm really thinking Enzo and Gallagher might be the move. What Potch is thinking, just based on them starting tonight. I don't know if Santos starts. I feel like he wouldn't start him against Liverpool. So I am going to say I think it's going to be Enzo and Gallagher. And I think the front four is going to be Mudrick, Jackson, if he's healthy in Kunku, and Matson at right wing. I, I think Potch makes the right move and benches Sterling. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's my ideal starting 11. That's exactly what I'm thinking. So... There's really nothing nothing else to really touch on that. It's going to be close between Monson and Sterling, I think. Uh, but I think Sterling has played himself out of the starting lineup. Uh, and actually, I think Connor has played himself in uh, to the starting lineup. I thought he actually played pretty well tonight for, you know, being rather, you know, explorative in the beginning. I think he did uh, sit back a little bit because we did see Enzo up the field pretty much or uh, a few times. Uh, and he received the ball well from the back line. He's not the greatest at that, but... Um, I think, I, I know I said, you know, experience doesn't mean quality, but I think his experience uh, is going to be, you know, a, prob- a, a good partner for Enzo to have. Yeah. So that game is sneaking up on us. It, it's coming. It'll be here soon. Well, we're here just in the final minutes of the uh, episode. Matt, do you want to do you want to let the fans know about a, an announcement we have? Yeah, so uh, Trey and I have been sort of thinking about different things to do for the pod, and we're going to be starting a little bit of a, a mini series on, you know, some Chelsea fans that we may know, some content creators that we may be in contact with, on sort of like their Chelsea origin story, uh, how they became Chelsea fans, sort of their life as a Chelsea fan, um, and sort of what their fandom looks like for them. So I think that's something unique that we don't really hear too much on other, you know, on other programs. Um, and I think we have some pretty cool guests lined up so far to start. So I'm excited to sort of get those moving um, and, you know, get it out for you guys to listen to. Yeah, I'm also really excited to be uh, having a part in that. It'll be interesting to launch our Shades of Blue uh, podcast series. And it will still be on this channel. Uh, we'll just have it kind of labeled as Shades of Blue. Uh, and then we'll just uh, have each episode where uh uh, the person comes on if uh if it gets a lot of feedback we might end up starting to take questions from the guest audience on twitter if you want to start uh posting them under the comments but yeah matt uh we've kind of rushed this one a little bit because you know it's late at night it's past midnight for you now and not much to talk about dormant but thank you for making your first permanent appearance on the pod and on to many more can't wait looking forward to liverpool all right well thank you everyone for listening and just remember stay true and stay blue.